Hello, everyone. We welcome you this morning to our roundtable discussion. Our subject today is on Christian science. We are so glad you could join us. And we are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. And we welcome you all. We'll start with our morning prayer. I am reading from page 147 of Miscellany. May this little sanctum be preserved sacred to the memory of this pure purpose and subserve it. Let the Bible and the Christian Science textbook preach the gospel which heals the sick and enlightens the people's sense of Christian science. This ministry reaching the physical, moral, and spiritual needs of humanity will in the name of Almighty God speak the truth that today as in olden time is found able to heal both sin and disease. Mary Baker Eddy. Perfect, thank you. The watching point. Watch number 10. Watch lest in your effort to educate your thought along spiritual lines, you forget that you are not trying to learn something new to you, since, as a child of God, you already have access to the precious gems of truth hidden in divine consciousness and are only working to dig up the spiritual thought through which you may reflect all true knowledge the only thing the advancing student has to learn that is new to God's child is a knowledge of the operation of evil. And this should be a disappearing knowledge, since when one has disposed of evil, he should no longer carry along a knowledge of its operation. A man suffering from amnesia or loss of memory is not trying to learn something. He does not need an education. He needs to have his memory restored. A veil of belief has been drawn across his consciousness, which temporarily shuts off his recollection of his real self. This describes man's dilemma from the spiritual standpoint. Man has not really lost his spiritual selfhood and its relation to God. He has merely lost sight of it. Thus, the work of Christian science is to restore man's soul, which in turn brings to light his unity with God. Everyone's salvation becomes possible since the knowledge of God is not something that must be learned so much as something that must be remembered speaks about this in 2 Peter 3, 1. I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. And in John 14, 26. The Comforter shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. End quote. Thank you. Comments on that? Reminded me of Mrs. Eddie somewhere talks about it being the the new old truth. Hmm. You know. Yes, thank you. And also there's nothing new 
Well, it's I very. Okay, please. Yeah. Um, I liked where it said, "Man has not really lost his spiritual selfhood and its relation to God. He's only merely lost sight of it." Mm-hmm. And that's I, I, I find that very comforting. That it's not something I've never known. It's since we've, we're as old as God, we've known these truths forever. But it's Christian science has come to remind us that we have always, we have always known this and we've always been the child of God and, and inseparable from him. And so I, I like that. Yes. Thank you. Elsie said one time, if God knows, I know. So it's already there. We just have to make our connection because we have it. Thank you. Yes. Even things we think we don't know, we know. God being all-knowing. And this teaching wouldn't ring true to us if it wasn't already there. Thank you very much. That's the thing. It rings true because it's already there. And in, in sharing and speaking to others, this is a major factor you must understand. You are not speaking to someone who does not already know this truth. This is what turns people off because everyone in deep in their heart knows they do know this truth. They do know the truth. What they reject and don't know is, or don't want to know and don't want to hear anything about is old theology and this preaching attitude. Who was saying, oh, I guess it was Bruce. Where was it in college or something where he was just bombarded with. um, Oh yeah. Some sort of. uh... <laughs> student hyper religious collective. I forget what, who it was, but yeah, and they, you know, it was just all this preaching down, and it was just such a turnoff. This does the name Christianity such a disservice because that is not Christianity. It is not. And it also says that even true education is really bringing out what the knowledge already in one. So it's not so much pouring something into somebody, but bringing out what's already there. If there's only one mind, infinite mind, then that's all there is, one mind. Thank you. Go ahead. No, that's it. Well, and and I wanted to share with you, maybe some of you do know this, um, but it's in the Eustace book on page 334 on the bottom numbering I you know originally I was and some of you here as well were teachers um, and this always helped me so much it's in the chapter answering some questions Eustace says education is not teaching something to ignorance which is what Florence was saying it is bringing to light the intelligence that is omnipresent It is the sun unfolding the flower in loveliness and beauty. It is the constant joy of anticipation. Inferiority complex is the lie that God is the lie that God as the one infinite mind or intelligence is not infinite. Could this be? Is there a single spot where there is less than all intelligence? 
Ignorance can never be enlightened. The ignorance that says that two times two makes five always remains the same ignorance. Enlightenment, otherwise called education, leaves ignorance to itself and goes forward with what is, thus swallowing up what is not. The teacher imbued with this understanding of education reaches the end of his teaching year rested, not wearied, by his work. Just when I first read that, I just thought that is just so wonderful um, and so true. So take this deeply within you and never think of anyone anywhere as being ignorant. Why would God create an ignorant <laughs> creation? I mean, that would just be so unfair. So somewhere deep inside that person, if it seems to be that he acts ignorantly, is the truth. You just have to bring it out. And this is what Christ Jesus did. It's there. And teachers, of course, know this. There's no student that you can't help or reach when you look for that divine spark that's within all people, everywhere, without exception. I think the one thinking that someone is ignorant is the one who is ignorant. Exactly, <laughs> that's right. That <laughs> wouldn't create such a thing, yeah. Right. They are displaying their ignorance. <laughs> but, but somewhere in them, too, is that enlightenment. Um, because yeah. when you hear this, you know it's the truth. I mean, why wouldn't this be the truth? As, as I love what Jeremy said, that you, it rings true. And that's what all what we do here in this church. It should ring true to you. If for some reason it doesn't, then, you know, then maybe you have other experiences to, to deal with for a while and, until it, it does ring true. Because it's true. It is the truth. So, thank you, Florence, and thank you, Karen. Anyone else on that? Um, this is a wonderful lesson on Christian science. I am going to start with Carrie, as you know, she sends me articles usually to do with the lesson during the week, which I'm grateful for. I just want to say how grateful I am for all of you, all that you do. Um, your proofing, I mean, one of you found a mistake in one of our lessons that was about to go to print that was a big mistake. And anyway, one person found it in Georgia. And you're reading, your readings of the lesson, your readings of Wednesday nights. Now, many of you are, are writing lessons. That's what we want. We want to train people to do this work. Um, I mean, there's just help everywhere. And then people finding articles for the magazine. It's such a big help. Uh, all that you, when you write on the forum, all of these things are contributing. And by doing this, you are creating our next magazine. You're creating so many things and with such freshness that only you, you uniquely can bring. So I'm so grateful. So this is from an 1885 journal. It's called Recruit by X, but... The beginning here I thought was so beautiful. She's speaking of Mrs. Eddy. 
or whoever X is, a woman, God-inspired, 20 years ago, planted a thought in the minds of the people that will grow until it reaches all nations. The tree of life will shelter the lost sheep of the house of Israel. She learned from our master's teaching and her constant communion with Christ. Lo, I am with you always. Was to her spiritualized sense of things a recognized fact. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, was to her the enduring substance of life. Her feet touched the mountains. Her understanding attained the heights we none of us yet have reached. Her reward will not be the praise of men, but the eternal glory of God. Who of us will help this woman? Who of us will stand shoulder to shoulder amid the musketry of error and guard the standard that she has planted? Be not afraid. The marching song is one of victory, more inspiriting than the Marseille of France, and it reaches heaven. Peace generally comes after the battle, but we have peace through it. Join our ranks, ye that are good and true. Sometimes they get broken, but it is only when the unworthy fall out and we gain strength by their departure. I thought that was so beautiful. And that is so true. If people become broken or drop out, it's we, we get strengthened by that. Get strengthened by their departure because they were adding some static. Perhaps it's, it's not needed. And they have other lessons to learn, perhaps in other places to learn them. And God blesses everyone. So... Those of you who are part of the Unity Watch, last night we had a watch about Mrs. Eddy. And I'm very grateful. Um, Nancy from Texas sent me some metaphysical notes, mainly from the Paul Smiley book entitled In Defense of Mary Baker Eddy and the Remnant of Her Seed. And most of them, if not all of them, were addressing just what this article was saying, standing, defending, protecting our leader, Mrs. Eddy, who, as all of you know, have been has been under attack since, well, forever. Day one. Day, day one. Yeah, day one. Even by her own board of directors. Yes. When she was around. They're powerful statements, and we're gonna we're gonna be using them in in watch messages, um, and. I'm praying about it, we'll probably put this online. Um, some of what we put online is deep metaphysics. Some people react and chemicalize over it, but hey, <laughs> that's I guess it comes with the territory. So, um, but it's all beneficial for anyone who's serious about the science. Yes. One thing we were brought up with here in Plainfield was and. Nancy from Texas quoted this, so I guess others have known it too. But it's a statement, as goes Boston, so goes the world. And Boston meaning the Christian science movement, which I now call the organization. And why, why would that be so? 
Well, I would assume it, since Miss Betty says she was the bone and sinew of the world, that her message is that. And so if that gets obscured, there goes the world. Yes. Christian science is the salvation of the whole world. So, Thank you. It is. It is. It is the final revelation of truth to mankind. Mm -hmm. So as those who practice it and, um, and live it are upholding the world, are leading the world to the true Christ. And, and to the extent that, the, that, that Boston does that, it will uplift the world. What did Jesus say? If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. If Boston be lifted up, it will draw all nations unto it. To the extent that Boston fails to do this, the world has no com more compass to follow. And, I mean, some people would think this is very arrogant to be saying this, but I can't not say it. It's not personal. It's not personal. This is the truth we're talking about. <clears throat> and we all know by our healings that it is the truth. And we had... Go ahead. No, by Boston meaning the true practice of Christian science, I'd hope. Right? Well, because... Yeah, it's not a location either. It's the no, no, it's not a location. It, it but it refers to yeah. the mother church, I guess. I, I don't know. We, well, it we, does refer to the organization. Yeah, it does to the, to the extent that the organization yes. follows the Christ. It, yeah, it will lift up the world to the extent that it does not. The the world will flounder, and also That's to the extent that the world still looks to Boston as though they're the they are the standard of Christian science, so that's why it's yeah. that's why they they follow that. Yes, it's most important that you understand all this, and it it is exactly as Gary said, and that's true of us. It's true of anybody. To the extent that we do, we lift the world. To the extent that we don't, the world flounders. You understand this, right? This isn't like beyond you. Well, that's why we have watches and but so many wonderful activities at Plainfield. And I say thank God for Plainfield because uh, it doesn't look like we can really count on the organization. Well, yes. It and, does appear that way. And that's why. And, and that's why Mrs. Eddie said, follow me in only insofar as what? Uh, right. And, and that should be a motto for every one of us. Everyone, everything, including this church, as much as it follows the Christ. Because if we don't, we, we will... That we are not worth following. We are not worth following. No, we are not. And these collections of, of statements about Mrs. Eddy are supporting her, defending her, defending the attack of her, and... They're, they're very important, and I guess the point here, the point being, too, often in our watches, you know, I mean, here we have buildings collapsing, you know, shootouts, divisions, all this stuff. This is all an effect, right? This is an effect. 
we have to get back to what's the main problem. The main problem is this. We need science spread. Um, the beautiful things I've read that hopefully I have time to share with you today about how does how does science heal? It, it's, it's actually what's what Florence read in her prayer. It's through moral reformation. Mrs. Eddy says the causes of, of disease, um, sin and death, she gives three reasons. What are they? Ignorance, fear, 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 sin, yes, sin, ignorance, fear, and sin. We get to the crux of rooting that out. Then we have a happy, healthy people. Correct? Right. So, but... In, the, in these passages by Paul Smiley, mainly by Paul Smiley, he, he just is defending her because as we wipe her out, or what, what is she known as in the Wikipedia? Or, an American writer? Yeah, she's, just, she's known now as an American writer. And so, you know, she's just another woman. One thing Paul Smiley goes after was very interesting. I'll read the first. He said, we must thoroughly handle the hatred of original sin directed at her, but which appears as our own thinking about her. No, there is no resistance or contempt for our leader, her womanhood, her mothering, and her demonstration of Christian science, her revelation of God's motherhood. He speaks about that a lot. And there is a belief, again, this is impersonal, but, you know, of, of chauvinism. A lot of people won't come to science, and I was surprised by this. I, didn't, I found it out later, that because a woman founded it. Women, men want to control the world. <laughs> again, impersonal. The, the, it's, it's a carnal mind that seems to be more evident in the male. Go ahead. In other Protestant churches that I observe personally, if a woman was considered for a position of pastor, the congregation did not like it. Yes. They put it a man. Yes. And it didn't always happen, but that's the feeling with men and women. Men and women, yes. A woman pastor. Yes. There's just this general feeling. Now, it's changed a lot. It's changed hugely. In fact, in sort of in my life, you know, that I, I find that, that there's so much of this still evident is a bit surprising. But I've seen it in my practice. Mrs. Evans used to talk about it a lot because she was a strong woman and she would not take anybody bossing her around, believe me, male or female. I just didn't work and it should not work and you think of the advancement that mrs eddie made as a woman and most people acknowledge that sometimes reluctantly but what she did as a woman at that time was quite extraordinary she was a big huge champion of women's rights at a time when there were a lot of rights women were deprived of So Paul Smiley was a very clear thinker. 
very, um, very good scientist. And he harps on the importance of seeing Mrs. Eddy correctly. And why, and, and why should we care about whether we see Mrs. Eddy correctly or not? I mean, we've got the textbook, we've got the Bible. Some people will slough off the need to see Mrs. Eddy correctly. But why do we need to? Well, do we need to see Jesus correctly? I mean, he wasn't just a prophet. We have to see him correctly. We have to see the Christ is what we have to see correctly. Which right. is what Mrs. Eddie and, and Jesus both represent. Well, and what does the message mean if, it's, if he, she's not that woman? Exactly. And spirit heals, right? And they are the spirit, each of them. Christ Jesus and Mrs. Eddie. Her life is the spirit of Christ healing. Her life is the practical example that yeah. we need. Mm -hmm. yes. We need to see her correctly for our own good. It's for, for survival. We can't, I mean, I will say this, it may sound a little strange to some people, but I don't think it's possible to practice Christian science without seeing Mrs. Eddy correctly for who and what she is. That's right. Yes, I mean, what, what are you coming for then? Is it just some words? That's the thing. And, and she says that. She says that. She says that, and she says it will do more. Remember the story when there there wasn't healing going on? Was it in Chicago or something? And they came to her, yeah. and you know what? What's the problem? They've they've done everything they could think of, and what did she say the problem was? Not loving her. Love yeah. her more. Yes, thank you. You need to love me more. Now, not a personal sense of love. Huh. But seeing who and what she is, as, as we do, as, as um, Janet said, Christ Jesus. It's impersonal. And here in this, these pages, Smiley says, the prophecies about the woman are exact. Listen to these prophecies, five of them. It was prophesied that she would be born in God's latter-day Israel. The revelator of this second coming would be a woman. This woman would write the open book of Revelation 10. She would appear in accordance with Daniel's dates of 1866 and 1875. She would be forsaken, but eventually accepted. Now, does that not describe her? I would say that describes her. Also, in um, miscellaneous writings, Mrs. Eddy says, Christian science is my only ideal, and the individual and his ideal can never be severed. If either is misunderstood or maligned, it eclipses the other with the shadow cast by this error. Thank, Thank you. you very much. There is much that supports this, and so thank you, and you will find more, and... It's important that we do understand it for our own healing. I mean, um, it says, again, the official rejection of our leader in Boston. Well, and they say that because, you know, getting rid of Pleasant View and other things that were done. And I understand why they thought she would be deified. But um, 
But that was the human mind. That was the human in mind. In fear. Yes. In fear. Produces an uphill struggle in the field to receive the most meager of healings and supply. If we specifically handle hatred for the revelator, healing will be widespread and instantaneous once again. The mental rejection of Mrs. Eddy tips the scale in favor of medicine, psychology, electricity, etc., and healing wanes. Is that not true? Yes. yes. The mental rejection of her tips the scale. Isn't that what has happened? Yes. yes. That's true. You can't deny that. And healing is wrenched from womanhood and then returned to male energy, which is interesting. <laughs> but I know, you know, when we visited Chestnut Hill, those were her last days there. She was surrounded by men, pretty much, not entirely, not entirely, but all this, you know, Adam Dickey, Raffon, these were good people who did good work. But at the end, it was a coup. And they felt, you know, that they knew better. That was always the thing. The male thought knew better than the female, and she needed to hear the male thought. <laughs> well. So, uh, so how are we doing with that? <laughs> so how are we doing with that? So, again, this isn't personal. We've, we had someone a while ago who left church because, what was it, Mrs. Evans was quoting. She was quoting Mrs. Eddie about the female thought is what? Highest. More spiritual. Yeah. Right. Yep. More spiritual. And we've been known to and be his, a, a and church. His lack of, of spirituality of was amended. <laughs> we've been known to be a church of women. We we're trying to work against that. And and of course not all women not all men are like this. This is a very generalization, thank God. But, um, Mrs. Eddie does say that the real man is, is complete, both yeah. male and female. Yeah. Thank you. All, me, all of us are. <laughs> all of us are. So, but he takes this up. And, um, and anyway, so in our watches, we are going to be working more, less with the effect and more with what, you know, what is behind all this get our science in line with the truth and that will wipe out all these beliefs they're all mesmeric beliefs anyway no matter what they they call themselves so i i felt that's appropriate for this lesson on christian science that you all understand this um and and work accordingly going forward and it will help. It, and it is. It's revolutionizing the world. Nothing can stop the science. We know that. And in reading Eustace, Eustace talks about the attacks on our leader. And, and he, he spiritualizes the whole thing, knowing we're all in one mind and, and all of that. But that's the absolute. But right now, we're not in that absolute state when we're working. And she must be recognized, appreciated, and so the healing can go forth and the tail, the scale tips back on metaphysics. Am I correct? <laughs> That's what my daughter-in-law always says. Absolutely. <laughs> she talks to my son, she'll say, am I correct? <laughs> so, and of course she always is. So, all right. 
Subject, Christian Science, Golden Text, Lillian. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Yes. And isn't this what people are crying out? We're going to sing as there's a bomb in Gilead today. We used to sing that in high school. I was thinking about that this morning because I just had the best choir director. And we sang the best songs and we did sing gospels and spirituals. And that was one of them. And you know what? I found out partway through high school that he was a Christian scientist. How about that? And he went to Principia. <laughs> but he had kind of left the science. And um, so we had a lot of interesting discussions. But he, he, he expressed, you can almost tell a Christian scientist, that he expressed this something about him. He was just a wonderful teacher and a wonderful... Um, he had a high standard. had a high standard. Yep. A high standard, and he kept to it. So, anyway. I think, thinking about that, whenever somebody in your life teaches you something or you learn something, you never have any problem giving credit for that. Yes. You know, and the same thing with Mrs. Eddie should be true. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know? We learn it. We, thank you, Mrs. Eddie. <laughs> so. Well, that's it. And in the in the people that are right, the people who wrote books, and even those who were excommunicated, their their credit glory went to Mrs. Eddie, God, to Christ Jesus. But those who spun off into New Age, up all of a sudden, it's quiet, and uh, they're taking a lot of credit that, that they don't deserve. They don't deserve no. So it, it protects them and the cause by knowing Mrs. Eddie. It does. It sure does. It does. And it just should be part of who and what we are um, and following her. We're independent, but we follow her. We made a few tweaks in our service and other things like that, but we follow her. We're not trying to make the service, you know, with a rock band or anything, which has been suggested. Um, <laughs> no, thank you. No, we'll stay with this. And even getting our our magazines back to the original cover, the way it originally looked, whatever we can do, we will do. Because it was so perfectly demonstrated, we can't improve upon it. So, and then, Craig, you want to read the responsive reading for us? Yes. Jeremiah 30. For thus saith the Lord... Thy bruise is incurable, and thy wound is grievous. There is none to plead thy cause, that thou mayst be bound up. Thou hast no healing medicines. For I will restore health unto thee, and I will heal thee of thy wounds, saith the Lord. Thou shalt hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun's light on them nor any heat. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne, shall feed them, and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters, and God shall wipe all tears from their eyes. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, 
proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manners of, of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month, and the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. It's beautiful. And again, Carrie sent me this about that tree. The seed sown 20 years ago has taken root. I guess it's from an 1885 issue of the journal and has now become a tree. Already birds of ill omen as well as of promise seek to lodge in its branches and clamor for its fruit. It is the tree of life and no flaming sword is there to destroy those who seek its shelter and support. Angels, however, guard tree and fruit. There is no night there, and the atmosphere is pure and elevating. There is but one of its kind, and it cannot be robbed of its seed to plant another. Every effort in that direction is unholy and will never succeed. It stands no holy heights, and those who approach take off their shoes in reverence and awe. Self must be immolated and material burdens laid aside in order to attain the summit of the mount. It is the straight and narrow way, and the slightest deviation into the byways of error, which are many at the base, prolongs the ascent. The mighty atmosphere of personal sense departs in this upward journey, and the bright effulgence of eternal light breaks upon the vision of the approaching traveler. So, the tree of life, any comments on that? It sounds as it's it's worth the uh, struggle to, uh, once you're there, grasp it to wait, wait for its unfolding and uh, to rise higher. And there's more beyond that. Thank you. Yes. It is God feeding us, isn't it? Everything we could conceivably ever need, God feeding us. Sounds like heaven on earth. Sure does. It's a beautiful image. All right. We're going to go now. Many or a few of you, I should say, have commented on Jeremiah 17. That was sort of what struck my attention this week, too. Um, Karen, you want to... I don't know if you can paraphrase, but you. <laughs> yeah, I, I was have been looking this over and thinking. Well, if I'm asked to read this, I'm thinking, no, I'm going to be asked to paraphrase it. Yeah. So how do I do that? Um, <clears throat> because there was so much here, but I, I guess it was really. Um. It's to, well, where it says that we can make choice of which shall be the object of our trust. And according as we choose the one or the other, the experience of these vivid pictures will be ours. So, you know, if we're going to trust in God completely for all our needs, for our healing, for then, then we have the promise, like you said, that for he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out our roots by the river. But if not, if we turn to the 
material or think that there's some option or some other way um, or he shall be like the heath in the desert. And and really all I did was look up heath and boy, it just, this whole, I mean, this was a long, to even put in what I had was, uh, you know, how do I, how do I condense this? Um, but there was so much written about it, but he shall not see when good cometh, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in the salt land and not inhibit it, not inhabit it. And I, I've, I've, I've been into that place for a while where I, you know, I want to trust God, but then I'm doing these other things and it's, it's uh, not a good place. It's very, you're not doing anything. You're just wallowing on the fence. You're putting one thing and then the other. And it's a, it's a hard, that's the hardest place to be. Just decide what you're going to do. But um, I don't know. I, I just, what he wrote, it was clear and was so perfectly put. I just, I know it's a little long, but yeah. And, and said everything. thank you. And people can read that. Um, it's on the, on the forum. And, and, and who, and who was Jeremiah and, and what was he right? Who was he writing to? Well, he was the prophet who was warning the people in, um, they were in Babylon at the time, I believe. And he was uh, a very fiery <laughs> prophet that was just warning them to to uh, to worship God. And if they didn't, you know, he was warning them what they what they had to do. They were the chosen people, and if they don't choose God, then that's not going to be good for them. <laughs> yeah, he was a no nonsense guy who was telling the Israelites why they were in deep doo-doo <laughs> <laughs> and what they needed to do to get out of it. Yeah. History repeats itself, doesn't yeah. it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, that word, heath, again, carry, naked, stripped, destitute, and in the... Yeah, this was McLaren's too. You're right, it went on. The prophet here puts before us two highly finished pictures. In the one, the hot desert stretches on all sides. The fierce sun sunbeams like swords slay every green thing. I mean, it goes on when you trust in man. And isn't this what the beginning, the golden text, is there no bomb in Gilead? If you look to man for your answers, this is how you end up feeling. Can't feel any worse. Probably we've all been there in one degree or another. It's just dreadful. It is dreadful. Go ahead, Florence. No, I was going to say, yes, we have. We've all been there. We've all been there. <laughs> yes. So, but then, blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters and that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when he cometh, but her leaves shall be green. And shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Now, when I read this, to me, this was this is your recipe for agelessness. Isn't everybody looking for the fountain of of youth? Yeah. Who trust yeah. God. 
look, look what it tells you it does. You, you're you're planted by the waters. You, your roots are going to sink down deep in, by that river. And that water is just going to go up and through you, energizing, renewing you, refreshing you. You sh- won't even see when the heat comes because you'll have such an abundance of water in you. And your leaves shall be green. You're not going to be all dried out and withered and poopity poop. <laughs> <laughs> Better than most moisturizers, right? Better than most moisturizers and everything else they tell you. And shall not be careful in the year of drought. You, you'll have so much all that moisture that you you know you're okay even if a drought does come. And then neither shall cease from yielding fruit. You're not going to retire. You're never going to have an end to what you're doing is important. It, it'll just flow forth. You'll keep having things to do. I mean, is that not a treatment for agelessness? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and then, um, you know, we got from Louise who wrote about um, what she read in the book by... Simonson, I think his name was, from the Methodist pulpit into Christian science and how I demonstrated the abundance of substance and supply. He writes that, um, well, you know, when you're feeling, again, that you don't have enough in the way of supply, it's like hungry beasts ready to devour us. But then, he says in his case, which is how he felt, like a hungry beast was ready to devour him, we realized that we could begin to curtail and economize in things we needed, that error ere long would mangle us with change of limitation and despair. In other words, once you start accepting those thoughts of lack and lack and lack and lack and lack, first it's one thing, then it's something else, and then it's something else, and then pretty soon you're just, again, like the description, those who trust in man. But he said they didn't go that route and they trusted in God and they ended up doing fine. They had all that they need. It's just a little book, but it's very interesting. I think someone gave it to me. I don't know if any, any else read that one, but yes. yes. Yeah. It's a good one on supply. And again, this is trusting in the father, getting away. Don't look at all that you don't have. God is the source of your supply, and it's abundant, abundant. It just flows through you because your roots are grounded deeply by that river, that source flows. So, and then, um, Linda, you want to speak about yours? God, this is beautiful. God being all in all, he made medicine, but that medicine was mined. It couldn't have been matter. Mm -hmm which departs from the nature and character of God, mind, God, truth. And, oh, and then, excuse me, truth is God's remedy for error of every kind, and truth destroys only what is untrue. So you never have to be afraid of truth. It's only going to destroy what's untrue. Don't ever be afraid to tell the truth as you know it to be, to put things out on the table, not be fearful of the truth. It only bless you. And also, I know a lot of religions and people think that God made the medical. 
And I mean, perhaps there are parts of it that are helpful that maybe that's true, but you get carried away over that real fast. And then you end up again in that trusting in man and having heath instead of abundance. So go ahead, Linda. So I love the line, truth is God's remedy for error of every kind. And I looked up remedy and some of the definitions from Webster's 1828 were that which cures a disease, application which restores health, with for that which counteracts an evil of any kind, that which cures uneasiness, that which repairs loss or disaster, to remove mischief, something that corrects, to recover a right, and to relieve. I thought, well, there you go. Everything you could ever want. Everything just you right could there. want. Yes. Just so powerful. I mean, yes. everything, everything that you could come up against. Fulfills all our needs, every need. And then to what Sharon wrote, and I love this in the lesson when it ends, when the science of being is universally understood, every man will be his own physician and truth will be the universal panacea. No reason why that can't be happening now. And I know it is happening. We are, you be your own physician and you go to truth. That's a universal panacea. Every answer in truth. And then I also did love what Parthens wrote about the woman afflicted um, and had had we talked about this at a Bible study, too, where she just had to press touch Christ Jesus. Right. And um, it, it says he writes the superhuman determination of the woman with the hemorrhage was the result of her superhuman decision to separate herself from everything and everyone, separating her from her objective. Nothing would stop her. Even the strict religious code demanding that any woman so afflicted should quarantine herself or face death. And this is, it goes on, it's beautiful, but how we have to have this deep, deep desire. You can't, you can't be in this halfway. People wonder why they don't have their healing. You, you can't compromise with error. You can't. And that beautiful, um, the healing of his seamless dress is by our beds of pain. We touch him in life's throng and press and press, and we are whole again. And that's quoting Whittier's poem, The Master in Pulpit and Press. So press against the Father. Press against the Christ for your healing. Don't be deterred. Don't let other things or people or whatever it seems to be, it's always animal magnetism, get you not to seek it with your whole heart, mind, soul, energy, all that is within you. And you will be greatly blessed. You will receive a great pearl of price, Christian science. I think... Go ahead, please. No, I think it's essential what she says to take up ontology, the science of real being, because it seems to me that is that if when we don't really understand or haven't become aware of who we really are, it's part of the problem, the beginning of the problem. And in the blue book, she says, be yourself as God made you. So the more we know who we really are, I think we'll be on a better starting point. Thank you. I love that. Be yourself as God made you. All right. Gary's going to read a bit from Kimball. Sabella's already run. Yeah, this is uh, Kimball's lectures, lectures and, and articles. And, and it's in the article entitled 
Christ Jesus mission, page 335. So he says, 21 years ago, I was in this city of Edinburgh. I had been sent over here by my physicians who could not cure me in the hope that I might find some physician in Europe who could. I went around from place to place, and in the course of time, I came to a halt here in Edinburgh, disconsolate, wretched, and in agony. This was the last place before my return. I had given up all hope in Europe when I turned from Edinburgh one day to Liverpool, and then on to a steamer to go home to die. That is of no consequence to you. It is of but little when I tell you that after having tried everything else in the world, in a state of despair, I turned to Christian science and was healed. That is of no consequence to you. But when I tell you that there have been over a million other people, equally sick and equally desperate, who likewise have been healed and delivered from grief, then I submit to you that it is evidence of some mighty transforming influence that is working on behalf of this race. And the people themselves, a million of them, rise up insistent to declare that they have been delivered from unspeakable depths of misery. Christian science does not offer the healing of the sick as its only effect. The primary object of Christian science is to effect the moral reformation of this race, the regeneration, the uplifting of this whole race, and its whole teaching is in this direction. We are taught to obey the Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount, the moral law. We are taught to become more honest, more upright, loving, <laughs> kind, charitable, and compassionate. We are taught to live in imitation of the life that is Christ's, without reproach before God and man. We are taught to live according to a highly moral standard of being. We are taught to love our neighbor as ourselves, to do justly, and in every conceivable way to become better men and women. You may say, wherein are you distinctive? We are distinctive on this point. God has not imposed disease upon the race. Christ is not only the Savior from sin, but the Savior from disease. His way is the way of recovery from all evil, and each one of us has a right to learn how to accomplish it. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Yes, there. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.